Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Back this week, after a one-week hiatus, uh, Eric Bime for ranting and raving about best ball on Twitter. I'm playing soccer, right? We're, we're doing we're doing a lot, a lot of different stuff. It's it's the dog days of mm-hmm. of sports. We got some playoffs, showdown stuff, I guess, for NBA. I'm not doing that, but at some point, you just 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 roster the guys off the street because that's all that's going to be left playing basketball by the end <laughs> by the by the end of this. Uh, but uh, but 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 you've been you've been doing best ball. I've been doing some soccer stuff. It's it's been hard to play some of these soccer slates since I do a show at eleven in the morning, and that's when the mm-hmm. starting lineups come out for the twelve o'clock game. So kind of these these smaller slates I have not played, but uh, but we still got baseball, and. Uh, do you notice anything? Okay, the two things. One, uh, now that we're h- hitting the summer, now that pitchers are getting, like these spin rates are coming down, offenses are going up, okay? Oh, yeah. Offense around the league. How does that affect your lineup building strategies and the stacks you select and the pitchers you select Coming into, especially on larger slates. We had a 15-game slate yesterday as a recording. Uh, that's one thing. And the second thing that's a little more facetious is how frustrating has it been the past two weeks to just like, like, oh, oh a batter's 22% owned and it's it's too, it's like, like, why don't we just, why don't, everyone's just preloading Kyle Schwarber and Shoei Otani into their lineups, <laughs> no matter what the ownership is. And they just get there, and just it doesn't it doesn't matter. They get there anyway. Uh, I mean, that's that's. Uh, there's no point in really talking about that. It's just you know, it's short term variance. Uh, yeah. But do you think that with offenses around the league now coming up, we're seeing these totals in these games coming up. The heat's coming in. The pitchers are a little bit less effective. Is it necessarily affecting your lineup building strategy? Because I think field wise, it hasn't. Yet I think there should yeah. still be considerations because we there these are the two reverse opinions, like the reverse ways to think about it. Eric, one, offense is up across the board. That means it makes way, a lot more stacks viable, meaning it gives you more yeah. paths to win. So on a, on a even not a fifteen game slate, let's say it's a ten game slate. There are twenty teams. It's quite possible that there will be multiple teams that could make up a first place lineup that like, Oh, I'm going to stack the Astros and they're going to score 12 runs and everyone else is going to score five. Well, there may, there may be five teams on the slate that score nine plus runs and the winning lineup could be any one of those stacks, probably a combination of two, two of them. But because of that, that gives us more uh, likelihood of rostering offenses and not caring that much about pitcher, right? You just go, whatever pitchers yep. I take, yep. whatever, I care more about the offenses. Uh, but the other reverse opinion is, if there's a lot more offense, that means there's a lot more pitchers with lower scores. Means, and since you play two pitchers on DraftKings and one pitcher on FanDuel, the slot, you have to play them, and those slots contribute to your score, that it makes it more important to get the pitchers right. Because you you, you can yeah, get the bats wrong because you can get the bats quote wrong 
and still get there, right? You don't have the highest scoring team, Mm -hmm. but you have the second highest scoring team that also has a guy with two home runs and this other guy with a stolen bit. Like you didn't need the hot, because there's going to be multiple of them. So the pitching like is, it's more important to get, you know, if you could get 60 points out of your, both of your pitchers combined, right? You get a 32 and a 28. Like that's going to help you more than getting like the exact eight bats right on your DraftKings lineup. But some people would say the opposite say, well, now you have to, play the garbage pitchers because if everyone's going to score around 15 on average, like they may not be a 30 point scoring pitcher. It really is. I think it's like the defining kind of conversation of MLB DFS as it stands right now. And I don't know that I have a strong take. I might day to day, my opinion might change, but I also do think that that's kind of important too, right? Like, so, cause I think back to the, one of the better days I've had, I had recently, I did probably win because I nailed the two pit, like two of the the pitchers. There were actually a few on that slate. It was one of the rare slates where there were, I think, three or maybe even four pitchers that scored uh, like 30-plus points. But I think it was – you brought it up before we started recording. Charlie Morton destroyed the Mets because the Mets are just so god-awful. Um, I, didn't, I didn't play him, but Freddie Peralta put up like 38 against the Diamondbacks and Anthony Desclafani put up like – 35 against the angels who also really, really suck by the way. I don't think that's another team. Maybe we'll get to some of the the trends that people aren't picking up on, but you know, I, 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 my stacks were okay. Like, I mean, I had the, I had the best stack that night, but like my, my three man that I attached to it, frankly, wasn't, wasn't very good, but I hit those pitchers and so much of the field. I think it was another Garrett Cole slate, if I remember correctly, and people are still playing Garrett Cole, right? Um, and he scored like, again, like 13 points. So I just beat such a huge portion of the field by nailing pitching that I didn't have to be perfect, especially in the fields that I'm playing in, um, at those, you know, you have to hit, you still have to hit your stack. Right. But I didn't have to be perfect with my offense because there are so few pitching scores that you can, you know, really distance yourself in the field from. However, there are other slates like what I don't, I'm, they're all really starting to run together. But like we, it was was it two nights ago that it was Bauer and Peralta. I think again there were only two spend ups, and a lot of people were doing the double spend up thing. And the rest of the field was just so so bad that everybody was playing those guys. But even then, they didn't distance themselves, right? If you got like twelve points from a pitcher on that slate, like you, it didn't matter if you spent four thousand and you got twelve points, it didn't matter because you weren't losing any, like hardly anything at pitcher because the highest scores were like twenty points and i do really believe that is probably more frequently going to be the case where like the 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 pitching doesn't matter concept and that's it's funny because that's kind of like how i've played a really long time when pricing was more efficient on hitters particularly on DraftKings. like that's kind of how i always played i rostered these scrub pitchers and just bet on the on that concept that no, none of these pitchers, even the Garrett Coles, whatever, aren't going to distance themselves so much that when I go get this guy that that's cheap and scores fifteen to twenty, you know, uh, I'm going to destroy you with bats, right? Because I have Trout, whatever. It's a little bit of a different with the you know with, that we've talked about many a time with the pricing um, on both of these sites for hitters, but I think it's a long-winded way of saying every slate is going to be a little bit different, and like when we do have you know, a 15 game slate and the seven K pitchers are, you know, I don't know, 
sometimes we're seeing like, right, like Alex Wood is your 7K pitcher. Or, or like I, I thought Deslafani was actually is, is a fine enough pitcher and was in a good matchup. There's there's some of those where like your cheap guys are those guys. And then there's some of them where your cheap guys are, are what what's his name? Eli Morgan. I don't I had never even heard of Eli Morgan until like a week ago. And he was the chalk cheap guy, you know, because he was playing the Tigers. It's like sometimes you're getting that and sometimes you're getting like actually decent pitchers down there. So I do think it's a little bit of a slate to slate thing. But I would say if I'm putting like a total ballpark number, it's probably like 80-20 where like I don't really give a shit about these pitchers. Nobody's going to distance themselves. So let me prioritize whatever bats I think are, you know, the most plus EV for that slate. Yeah, what, what, I, what I've been concentrating more on, I've been using my NBA mentality more so, because obviously this year that the vomit stack, the vomit stack type of mentality doesn't work anymore when when people are jamming yep. in double aces and playing cheap bats that are that are on good teams and under and still underpriced. So I yep. need to do something different. So I've been playing these diamond stacks, as I call them. But now the NBA mentality, how I've I have won GPPs in NBA, or how I primarily play NBA, is. Play good players at low ownership. Now, that sounds like obvious. Obviously, you want to play good players at low ownership. No, I'm talking about good players that aren't projected as well as other players on the slate, but have have raw talent. Like, they're good players, right? Everyone's playing this guard. I'm playing Bradley Beal at 4% owned, right? I'm playing yep. Jimmy Butler at 8% owned, right? Every Everyone's playing Giannis, and I'm playing... So, you know, Sabonis is 11% owned on that slate or something, whatever the context of the slate makes it. Maybe because one guy is more underpriced and un- one guy isn't, but see, that doesn't affect the ceilings. So on, on these, mm-hmm. these slates, because cause you could go from the mentality that offense is up, uh, even the crappiest teams could put up runs, but when offense is up, to me, all that does is increase the ceilings of the good offenses. Yeah. Right? So, like, I don't think in terms of, well, today the Tigers, the Tigers on a normal day would put up four runs, but maybe they put up seven today. It's like, no, I'm looking at the team. I'm looking at the Dodgers, who they could put up five runs, but if they really, they could put up 14 runs today. So, like, I'm looking yep. specifically towards like what I did yesterday in my set, I'm like, like yeah, I could I could play the Diamondbacks. Why am I playing a bad? Well, I could play the Mets. I could play those teams, but also you have to understand those teams they're cheaper and they tend to lead to the same type of builds where you're playing the two chalk pitchers or or some chalky pitcher combination as it is. So I'm looking for like, dude, if I can get the Dodgers at four percent owned, two percent owned, why not? Oh, but but Kevin Gosman's on the mound. Yeah, but aren't is an offense up across the board and spin rates are down? So who, who cares, right? The Twins against Giolito, and especially if if uh, if some of these pitchers are chalky, then you get relative value from playing these teams. As long as it's as long as it's a good offense, like there's a to me yeah. there's a big difference between playing a fully healthy Twins. I'm, I'm going to put that caveat. Like if Buxton was back <laughs> and there, I mean, sometimes these yeah. Twins lineups at the bottom could look really bad. Uh, Pretty bad, yeah. Right, but there's a difference between that and playing even the fully healthy Mariners, right? Even mm-hmm. the fully healthy Royals 
Like the bottom of that order is kind of sketchy as it is, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. But to me, I can't go wrong playing the Blue Jays. Like I don't, ca- I don't right. even care who they're facing, as long as it's not like Jacob Degrom. As long as it's not like high end, <laughs> high end stuff, like an average pitcher. I'd much rather everyone. Oh, everyone's going to pl- be playing the Astros against the Orioles pitching staff, and the Blue. Why not play the Blue Jays? How about the Red Sox? The Red Sox are a good offense. How about the Yankees? The Yankees are a good offense. The Padres, they're a good offense. I mean, like, there are enough good offenses, especially on these larger slates, that I don't even care what their median is anymore. I just I just care that they're mm-hmm. in raw talent. You take a look at that Blue Jays lineup now. Like, it's it's murderer's row for the most part. They got rid of Paddock yep. now, so now even he's not even, right? See, I mean, you have Semyon, Bichette, Guerrero, Teoscar Hernandez, Springer, uh, Biggio, Grichuk, typically the catcher sucks. And one of, yeah, and when they get the day off, like you said, now panic's gone, and it's Corey Dickerson who's just going to come in and and hit too. Like that, yeah, like you said, if they have one bad spot, and it's the catcher. And even then, like on DraftKings, those guys are cheap, and so if you need to talk, if you need them to toss into your stack, it's like, well, they're always going to have guys on base in front in front of them. So what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. So I I look I look to me I look for those situations, and you find them every and tr- truthfully, you find them every slate. You find you find yep. high ceiling good offensive teams against pitchers that maybe people don't want to they, they 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 a lot of people approach MLB DFS from the like I think this is very similar to to what you preach in best ball okay I'm going to relate it to what you what you've been going through mm-hmm. people in MLB a lot of times are looking to attack pitchers right now, obviously, that causes the change in, in a team's projection. Facing Matt Harvey boosts boosts the projection of the team of the batters. I mean, <laughs> uh, naturally, yep. as it is, right? Right. I get it, but it's already factored in the projections already. The the weak pitcher, but they go and they go. I want to attack Carlos Martinez. I want to attack this guy. I want to. I don't want to attack. I don't. Uh, yeah. It's like Jose Barrios. It's like he's not an ace, but I don't want to attack him. Right, yeah, they do. They think in terms of mm-hmm. that. They don't think in terms of what win, what what needs to happen in order for you to win first place. Right, it's very similar to what you say about best ball. Yeah. When when like you have to assume that every choice you made is correct in your lineup. Right. So when I stack yep. five bats against Jose Barrios, I'm playing for the the outcome, the win condition that Barrios gets gets killed, right? I'm 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 playing for that. Or he gets knocked out of the game in the second inning and the bullpen gives up a bunch of stuff also. Right. Right? I'm already playing for that win condition. And the offense is naturally good enough. If you were to replace if it's Jose Barrios versus the Blue Jays or something like that. And you go, oh, I don't want to attack that. I'd rather play the Red Sox against garbage pitcher or something like that at five times the ownership, three times the ownership, whatever. And I look at the Blue Jays and I go, if you took out Berrios and you put in random name pitcher with a random projection that like just an average, if it was just an average pitcher, like not a gas can, but not a, not anyone that you consider good in any way, wouldn't the Blue Jays be just as owned? I mean, I'm playing for the condition mm-hmm. that Berrios isn't even going to be pitching for half the game. 
right? Wouldn't right. I want to be playing against the, the bullpen with the blue? Now, now do you like the blue? Oh, now, well, now I like them. Well, that's, that is the ceiling outcome. Like that, the median may be lower, but the ceiling outcome is that outcome. And I'm playing yep. a good team. I'm, when, when, when the, if Carl, if I play the Diamondbacks against Carlos Martinez and Martinez walks six guys, gives up four runs in 82 pitches and then comes out of the game and then gets the Cardinals bullpen. Like the Diamondbacks are still a bad offense. Like they still have to capitalize on the pitcher's yep. bad outcome. And if you had a choice between, do you want to play the Diamondbacks at 2% owned or the Blue Jays at 2% owned? I'll play the Blue Jays. I don't care if it's up against the better pitcher. Right, because my win condition is that they they need to score ten runs as it is. So yes, it's less likely that Berrios gets killed, but it's enough so that the percentage that, that the ownership makes it makes it worth it. And at least they're a good offense, right? If Berrios got killed by the Blue yep. Jays, would anyone say, "Wow, I can't believe how bad Berrios was"? They'd say, "No, the like, the Blue Jays are the Blue Jays, right?" If Aaron Judge and Stanton and Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres. Go back to back to back to back against who doesn't even matter who the pitcher is. You go, well, they're playing Yankee Stadium, the short porch or whatever, and you know, fly ball pitcher, and oh well, that's what happens, right? <laughs> Robbie Ray comes out always and, and gives up four home runs to the Yankees, but it's Robbie Ray. Who cares? Right? Why are you scared to play these teams if they're good offenses? Especially when the, I believe if we did uh, a distribution, Eric. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone could do this. I'm, I'm going I'm to make the assumption it's correct. My hypothesis is correct. That if you increased, like, like if you decreased pitching performance as a whole, if you did it neutral to the pitcher, like we don't do it based on pitch types or their previous spin rate or anything. If we just said that if we have to knock down pitchers by 10% and we have to knock up all offenses by 10% at its midpoint, this is all at its median. Yep. What would the distribution of all the teams look like? Yes, the bad teams do get a boost, but I think that on the tail end, on the front end, on the 70th, 80th percentile outcomes, the good teams would be higher in proportion than mm-hmm. the bad teams because, just because they're better hitters. So if, yeah, that, hypothesis, if that hypothesis is correct, Eric, shouldn't we be more inclined to do what I am doing and go, well, if we have a lot of high totals on, on this slate, if we, this looks like a slate where a 240, 50-point score on DraftKings is going to win, it's unlikely it's going to be, it's going to come from the Marlins. It's unlikely that yeah. that... Now, a low-scoring slate, like what we've used to talk about, low-scoring slates, the Marlins could put up seven runs at cheap price, and be the winning stack on a low scoring slate. But if we're seeing high scoring yep. slates, how how often are the Marlins going to put up 12 runs to beat out the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, the the Reds, the Padres, the, I mean I could list all off of really good offenses, the Braves, the Twins. Like it's to me that's that's much less likely. Even though yeah, maybe the Marlins put up on this maybe the Marlins put up eight runs. You're happy. You stack Duval. You take your Brian Anderson if he's in the lineup. I don't even Jack Jazz Chisholm, and and they're they're on the seven oh five game right, and you see in the first inning they put up five runs. You're like, I got the Marlins, baby, got the Marlins. <laughs> By the end of the game they have eight runs. You're like, I got the Marlins at almost no ownership. They put up eight runs, 
And then at 8.30, the Blue Jays have 10 runs. The Yankees have 11 runs, right? Uh, the Cardinals, they're, they're a horrible offense, but I mean, whatever. You see a bunch of teams yes, that they also are. have 8 to 10 runs, and it's like the value of the Marlins just goes, just plummets. Like, how often yeah, will they think... be the highest scoring in a high offensive environment? Not as often. And I, ex- and I expect home runs to follow. Because, like you said, the exact thing that you said, when the better offenses with with more, especially typically have more power, right? Because in order to score more runs, you're not just hitting a bunch of slap singles; they're hit, they're driving the ball, right? So when the when the pitching quality decreases, the, the the hitter like this change in baseball has not changed the hitter ability. The hitters are still the hitters; they have not nothing has changed, but they are now getting basically we lowered the the difficulty level, right? You're playing a video game, you're playing. You're playing MLB The Show and you lowered it from all-star to whatever. Uh, you know, the, not, the medium, your medium difficulty. I want to be clear, Eric. We're not just talking about the pitcher crackdown and the spin rate. We're also just talking about yeah. the weather's getting hot and off the offensive mm-hmm. production goes up because the ball travels farther, right? So exactly. it, this, this is not just, exactly. this could apply to previous seasons. I mean, this is not just pitching and, and as you get further into the year, we're seeing this already. Like guys are pitchers are hurt and teams are going to six man rotations now. Right. That's something that we haven't really seen before. The quality of pitcher, not even just the fact that they can't use their spider tech and all that stuff. The quality of pitcher, once you get into the dog days of summer is bad. I can attest to the, the I'm a Cardinals fan. I live in St. Louis. They're, they picked up Wade LeBlanc got cut by the Orioles. <laughs> then he went to the Rangers and got cut by the Rangers. And now he's starting. For the, he's starting right, the Rangers for the have no problem right? trotting out Jordan Lyles every five days. Right. <laughs> right. They have no problem. Yep. Right. That, that, that Carlos Martinez is coming out every five days for the for the Cardinals. Brad <laughs> Keller's coming out every five days for the Royals because and you go, these guys suck. And it's like, yeah, but and and. Because they're the they're, they're the else? best of what they currently have. So imagine who's the fourth starter for these teams. The Cardinals don't have Adam Wainwright is like it, everybody in St. Louis thinks Adam Wainwright's fucking Cy Young because he doesn't get blown up every day because they're so used to watching Martinez and John Gant and Johan Oviedo and we're picking up freaking Wade LeBlanc off the street starting every fifth. I mean, it's a but that's the perfect like picture of like you said. It's not just. Sure, that that has an impact, right? Like we're hearing every single night the pitchers complaining about, you know, Garrett Richards is out there freestyling on the mound. The reports he's like inventing new pitches while he's out there on the mound, and like it's just bizarre. But there's all these factors, right? It's the the weather is insane. The pitching quality is way down. The pitchers, you know, are at a, a disadvantage from how they started the year with the substances they can use. Blah 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 blah. So all of that is exactly what you just said. The hitters. Are this are still the are still the same level of hitter that they were before, but we ratcheted down the, the difficulty level of what they're having to face. Well, who is going to be able to take advantage of it more easily, right? If Steph Curry got to shoot wide open threes every game, and Giannis got to shoot wide open threes <laughs> every game, who's gonna make more, right? It's just like, is Otani gonna hit more home runs, or is Josh Rojas gonna hit more right. more Giannis home runs? Giannis can't like, even hit wide open Otani. free throws. <laughs> yeah, Giannis isn't even going to hit the rim, right? So what's Josh Rojas? Josh Rojas is is that, right? Is Drupal Cabrera? Who's going to hit more home runs? Clearly, Kyle Schwarber is going to hit more home runs when we ratchet down the difficulty level. And so, to your point, 
the the advantage of the those hitters and those offenses specifically is like so much higher. However, the field hasn't really totally adjusted to that. Yes, we'll see. Like you said, the Astros, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, whatever decent offense is playing the Orioles, right? They're just everyone's going to gravitate to those, but they're not gravitating to the other the other spots. And we're we're even getting these other situations like Garrett Richards, like I mentioned, we have Garrett Richards is, has been awful all year. He's, he's been terrible all year. He's somehow worse, even worse now because he's not, he doesn't get to use whatever he was, he was using. And he's like telling everyone, he's like taking interviews and he's like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. He's like, he's yeah, like, yeah. I was surprised like, the, I the other day when he pitched, the Royals were, they, they were, they were owned, but they were much less owned than I yeah. expected them to be. Right. And like, and so I, I played, I, I played them and it was actually, it was the perfect cause it was like your Marlins example. They came out and beat the shit out of him early and didn't score. They actually lost the game. They didn't score the rest of the game. But to your point, we're also getting examples like that where the Royals are maybe not the best example at full strength. You know, when they have Mondesi and they have all these guys, I think they're a little bit better right now. They're not. They, they have enough. Awesome. They, when they're better, they have enough. Pa- I, the Royals have enough power in their lineup. That yeah. I never, I don't mind playing them. They're just they're very frustrating because they have a lot of low woba hit. They have a lot of, you know, when when you're rostering Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier, you're going, you're going, put the ball into play, please. Please. But the problem, the yes. problem comes just, in is that I'm not looking like the difference is is that Nicky Lopez, Calvin Gutierrez, you know those guys at the bottom and stuff. Michael Taylor has power. So like, I don't mind Michael Taylor. Yes. Uh, I played him the other day. Right, and he's always cheap. He's 2300 today. Yep. I'm probably going to play him again. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, those are the guys that I almost want to avoid. Like, the like I almost, I, like, avoid, yeah. even in even in stacks, like, uh, the Angels, like you mentioned the Angels. The Angels are an awful team. The Angels, it's like, to me, to me, the Angels, currently right now, they, 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 basically, ha- they basically have three, I think they have three and a half batters. In their lineup, they got Otani, they got Rendon, the MVP. they got Walsh, and then occasionally Taylor Ward, right? Okay, right. <laughs> yeah. That's that. That's yep. the half a batter. But like yeah. <laughs> everyone else in their lineup is just like, like a twenty-two hundred dollar player that you put in your stack. But the problem comes in. We had the slate the other day, where it, I I don't know I don't know if I've ever seen it before. Uh, that within with within less than an hour of the slate starting, every single slot in your lineup in the, available had a home run in it. Like every single slot, like like a catcher, Two a first baseman, ago. a second baseman, a shortstop, yeah. a third, and three outfielders within like forty five minutes. It was yeah. Ever like you could fit you, there. There is a lineup like that, right? Because typically that's what you look like. That's why. You know, when, 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 especially with one-offs, like those scarce positions, you don't mind necessarily, like, if you could get a home run in a scarce position, that puts you greatly above the field if you could find it. So, like, when one of those cheap catchers hits a home run, like, the, and you have them, that's a very big benefit to you, right? Shortstop's a little bit more of a power position now because we got, got Tatis and Trey Turner and Correa. We got, we got, we got some shortstops. <coughs> yeah. But... You know, when you're sitting there, especially on DraftKings where there's no utility, when you're sitting there going, "Oh, I own, I have, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have Emmanuel Rivera 
in my in my uh, Royal stacks for a two thousand, sitting at three points. Like that isn't bad if no other third baseman has a home run. Like if the highest third baseman only has twelve points, like you could win a GPP like that. But once I see third baseman start hitting home runs, then then I got a problem. But in a, in in an environment now where we're seeing a lot more offense, we should be able to expect a lot more offense. Should we? Should we? Here's 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 the question. Should we be less inclined? to stack with those players rather than leave a guy, letting them not play a five man, not play a four man on mm-hmm. FanDuel. Where if I'm going to, if I'm going to, let's say I'm going to stack the angels, for instance, on FanDuel, four man. And I go, well, I and then still fit a three man, still fit another stack with it. Mm-hmm. Is there a point of playing David Fletcher? In this environment, like, on a, so. like in a low-scoring slate, in a low-scoring environment, David Fletcher getting going three for four with a run, you know, like that type of game, slap hitting, getting on base when Otani <laughs> hits the home run, like I don't mind. But on, on, when when scores on Fanduel are going to be you know two eighty three hundred, like even twelve points out of that position may not be good enough. I would have been better off, 100%. right? I would have been better off. Let's say, especially in the outfield. Because there's a lot more outfielders. Like, do I do I play in the outfield? Like, think of a slap hitting outfielder type of guy. Like, do I play that guy in my stack, or do I play Gregory Polanco at twenty three hundred on Fanduel or something? And it's mm-hmm. like this guy strikes out like forty percent of the time, <laughs> right? But at least as a one off, it's like that guy get hit a home run. But to play to play uh, Juan Lagares in my Angel stacks. I know he hit a home run at Yankee Stadium or whatever, but it's just not going to happen that often, right? Unless, yeah. unless obviously you have the Astros bullpen and Robel Garcia pitching to the Orioles. That was a little bit frustrating last night. All those, all the bottom of the order Orioles stacks get there with the cheap hitters, right? Because yep. the Astros decide to turn into the Orioles bullpen. Uh, but that's rarely going to happen, having like Ramon Urias in your Orioles stack. Like most likely on a high-scoring slate, like six points ain't gonna cut it. It's like you got you got everything right. My best lineup on Vandal yesterday had Randall Grichuk with six points in my Blue Jays stack. I knew that wasn't gonna be good. And Randall Grichuk is a power hitter, so it's not like I, I I rostered some slap guy or something. It's just like six points in my outfield, just on a high scoring slate, is just not gonna do it. Should we be more considerate of that? Or should we either a lot of the times, especially in lineup HQ. Those slap hitting type of hitters with lower projections, I I click the only in stacks button, right? So it's like yeah. okay, I don't mind playing them in stacks, but not as a one off. Should I be more inclined to instead of clicking the OIS button, just click the X button and just go? I, just I, don't even bother playing these guys at all. I I I, re- I really do think so, and that's not what I would have said, and that's not how I played. Like even not that long ago. Um, in this uh, MLB season, like I actually thought, you know, going back to your like vomit stacks and and what and you know that kind of concept, I actually thought that was a huge edge before, even like maybe in this season, like towards the beginning of the season, being willing to. We've talked about this. Instead of everybody will gravitate to the same guy, right? There's some. I always use Austin Meadows. It always seems to be Austin right. Meadows. Well, we had right? Ben Gamble Austin yesterday was, was, batting third in cores, right? Everyone played him as a one-off and got zero. Marquez almost had a no-hitter. 
right? <laughs> right. But he's Ben so fucking Gamble for crying out loud. Yeah, that's that's bad. But right, but everybody would still gravitate towards this. Is again, I'm going back to like maybe closer to the beginning of the season. We would Austin Meadows would go hitless for five games, and all of a sudden he goes from 5K to 3,500, right? And he's facing Matt fucking Harvey, and so. You're like Austin. Everybody, you need a thirty-five hundred dollar outfielder. Everybody's using Austin Meadows. So there, if you had some cheap guy, yeah, you know, it wasn't ideal to be playing this crappy hitter at three K or whatever over Austin Meadows. But like, you know, he can go over four, and and you get your your ten or twelve. You know, you get the ceiling ten or twelve point game from that guy, and you pass so many of the field. It was much more viable then, and definitely in years past, like you've mentioned with like vomit stacks. Right now, the problem is that it's even if you get the Juan Ligaris home run, right? Even if you get the Ramon Urias home run, there are so many other guys putting up those points, right? Like you mentioned just a couple nights ago, we're 45 minutes into the slate, and you probably could have rostered, you could have, you could have had a team that had a home run from every single from every single spot in your lineup, and that like the second wave of games hadn't even started yet. You know, we only got like six games going. Right, and, and it's so only the first it's three micro- innings of the first game. I mean, it's like it's only a third of the games of the first games even in like <laughs> right, and then several of those guys hit the second home run, and then you're Schwarber sitting there going, one, yeah. "Well, if you don't have Schwarber, Otani, and Hunter Renfro, just close your laptop." Like that, they're yep. too I did owned. Close my and, quite early, yeah. <laughs> right, and then and then you also need home runs at all your other slots, and you're sitting there going, "Why do I have David Fletcher in my life? Why? What? Like, like the the strategy we we talked about previously occur, are better for low scoring slates, right? Mm-hmm. And we talk about that all the time in any sport that it's easier to win the low scoring slates. Right. That's the goal, like especially especially in you know that's the goal of a contrarian DFS player, and in particular for me in, in smaller fields, I want that winning score to be as as low as low as possible, right? So that's kind of where this is all coming from. Is those are the slates I'm trying to win, but what I assume that you're probably going to say is like they're they're very infrequent now compared to what they well, have I been think in it's, the past. I think we we talk people think of low scoring slates. The variable that controls that is the ownership, right? So we th- yes. we think in terms of the reason why a sk- slate would be low scoring is because some high owned guy got a zero, right? Some high owned pitcher mm-hmm. got blown up, right? So a lot of the field yep. got pushed down because forty percent ownership is on Austin Meadows and he got a zero, right? Fifty percent of the ownership is on Garrett Cole and he's sitting there with nine points. So it's very easy to flip and get past if you don't have those guys in your lineup. The problem comes in now is that we're having in MLB low scoring slates when it comes to ownership, but it doesn't mean the scores are low. So it's like, mm-hmm. yes. So if like, for instance, uh, yesterday or, or, or whatever day, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is chalk and he hits a home run. If you don't have him, that still doesn't mean anything. There may be there may be fifty eight home runs today. Like so, <laughs> yeah. if Schwarber's sitting there with eighteen points, even if he's high owned or low owned, you're most likely going to need a home run worth some points in like all your slots anyway. Regardless, if mm-hmm. if, if like I played uh, like Juan Soto the other day, and he was like two point eight percent owned, right? Yesterday, yeah, yesterday the national stack, and it was lefty lefty with Rich Hill, right? So I played him. 
and he was a one-off in some line. 22 points, 2% on. What does the ownership matter? Like, every, like Judge had a home run. Like, all, all these guys had home Like, 1% on guys had home runs. 10% guys had home Like, <laughs> the ownership of these players didn't even matter because there were so many home runs hit or home runs worth 20-plus point scores that, yes, maybe mm-hmm. you needed Semyon because he had 50 points. Maybe on, on Fandle. You needed Otani because he had 40. Yeah. I get, yeah, those are the must-haves because they hit, get enough points that... And they're owned enough, right? Otani's 12% owned on FanDuel with 40 points. You're probably going to need him. Schwarbel double dong at 24% owned. Yes, you're probably going to need him. But like mm-hmm. having, getting a home run, get, at, like having the, the, the t- 10% owned guy fail and the 2% owned guy succeed, like doesn't lower the scores of the slate. It just changes the distribution right. of the points. We're seeing enough two percent on guys hit home runs that you're gonna still need three. You're gonna still need three in your outfield, and whether you take the twenty-four percent on guy that hit a home run or the two percent on guy that hit a home run, the leverage you're not gaining any relative. You're not. You're. You're truthfully. You're not even gaining any relative value because you still need to find. You still need to find power. You need to find this upside. So I'm thinking, and what I've been doing with the only in stacks, and now I'm kind of more transitioning to maybe even Xing these guys out, especially on FanDuel where the pricing is a bit softer. And I could get I could get power. I don't have to pay twenty two hundred for Fletcher. When I, I can find a power hitter for twenty two hundred on some team. He may be a crappy team, but someone <laughs> that what I'll what I'll do is I'll I'll go into lineup HQ and I'll look at the home run odds. Like just whatever the whatever the betting line is on home runs. It's just like anyone Anyone over like plus 500 or something like that or plus 600 or something, whatever, just X mm-hmm. out, right? Just plus 1050. I don't care. I don't care if he's, I don't, I do not care whatsoever. Just if you have no, if you have a limited chance of hitting a home run, especially on a large slate where I could find that. Yes. If we're talking about a six game slate, you have to be a little bit, then, then you could be a little bit more broad. Now, the, the more likely that a low scoring right. slate happens could happen on a six game slate, 10, 12, 15 game slates coming into the summer, half the games, 90 degrees, half more than half the games have as the fourth starting pitcher and, or the guy from double a that we've never heard of, or the, the, the short reliever opening into the bad bullpen. I mean, like, I mean, when we have Lakin starting for the Orioles, I mean, like we go like, (laughs) what? When, when they're trotting out Garrett Richards for no apparent reason because there's no one else to put out there. I mean, there's going to be so much... There's going to be high scoring even if it comes from 1% owned teams. That, like, what... Oh, should I be should I be playing uh, Kai Tom in my pirate stacks? Like, look, dude, I'm barely playing the pirates. Let alone should I be playing a guy with, like, plus 850 home run odds in the stack. Now, obviously... On occasion, they'll yeah, occasionally they'll hit one. Yeah, you're right. It'll happen. Juan Lagares hit a home run, but it's from a long term, you know, looking for expected value, isn't it much different than back in April where we had 58 degree games and we had, you know, what half the starting pitchers in the league weren't injured, right? Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, okay. like the, then, then, then we started seeing totals where, like, if there was one team with like a 5.3 run total, we were like, that's the chalk. 5.3 run total, implied run total, like on yesterday's slate, I think was like the sixth or seventh highest 
Like that's that's the contrary. That's like, oh, okay, that's not high enough now. Yeah, right. But I don't think I I'm not sure if the field is is necessarily react. I think uh, do you think the field is going to force those five man like those five man angel stacks where you're like, okay, I'm playing Otani, I'm playing Walsh, I'm playing uh Rendon and without Upton or Trout back or anything, they're just like, well, I guess I'm playing Luis Rengifo and Max Stassi. And I guess you could play Stassi because he's a catcher and whatever. Yeah. And he's like, like if 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 there's gonna be if there's gonna be five teams that put up ten runs today, like it's most likely not gonna be the it's it, like how, how does this win? Wouldn't they might just be better and, off just and, using the Angels as a three man and that's it? And how you put up those ten runs is important, right? David Fletcher is never going to do what Marcus Simeon did. Just not gonna. No, I don't care how many runs the Angels score. I'm not sure David Fletcher can score 50 can score 50 fantasy points. It's just like it's just like not not really possible. And I, and like I will say, I played uh what what they had like whatever the like 888 or whatever it was um, on Monday. And I don't know why the Rangifo Rangifo however the hell you say that scrub's name. I remember I'm scrolling through through a few teams because I was probably pretty dead, but. It was when Michael A. Taylor, Michael Taylor hit, hit his home run. I'm like, oh, okay, I made up a couple points. Maybe I'm not closing the laptop just just yet. And I'm scrolling through teams, and I happened to see multiple Angel stacks because Otani had hit a home run, and they were starting to to score some runs. And like he, that Rangifo is like in a bunch of them. And so it's a totally like I'm just cherry picking one one little example. But you're seeing even you know this is a 500 man field or whatever it is. You're seeing 400 500 man field. And you are still seeing people, you know, in, include these guys. So is it to the extent that they were including them before? I don't know. But I think um, that one of the biggest things, and I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, is ex- like really similar to what you mentioned up. Like, are people still going to do this or are people not going to do this with this whole uh, where we're at with, you know, offense right now, but especially, especially as it relates to like the foreign substance stuff, it's so, it's such a, it's almost like overhyped at, at this point, but people are picking and choosing when they are reacting to it. Right. right? So, Garrett, some pitches, oh my some God, pitches are using the sticky stuff and some people are right. Well, is he a cheater? Yes. Is he not a cheater? Me, <laughs> me, I, I'm, I, no one to me, I think uh, very similar a lot of the stuff that you've been saying in best ball applies to like any, like just game theory in general. And I saw the, your, your reply oh, is, yeah. uh, with, with Neil, Neil Orfield, right? It's like the, 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 the this past year, the, the more, the more and more you talk, the more and more me and you sound the same. More and more you, the, <laughs> yeah. right? The more and more you're like, yep. just, just pick whoever you want. Who cares? What is this all? It's all nihilistic. <laughs> it all seems like, like, what does any of this matter? But, 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 you are right that like uh, if we don't know, unless you have some type of insider information, all the field is going to do by, if you do that is just, you're just going to create your, you're purposely creating bias instead of just saying that in the long run, I should just treat it as one neutral factor and then just wherever it goes, it goes. And if the, and, to me, the more bias I see, the more likely I go the, op- the I just go the other way. Yep. And pe- that's what people are like. And smart, smart people. They're like, well, like we can look at the spin rates. We can look at their velocity. We can look at all this, that, and the other. And like, 
I'm not even saying that you might be able to get some things right. It's just your accuracy level. You, you, you just, you're just not going to know. And even if you might've been right, okay, I keep using Garrett Richards, right? He's the easy example because we, we definitely know he's struggling with it because he told us, but like you look at Garrett Richard, Dylan Bundy, they were, uh, someone I was talking to was using Dylan Bundy as an example, because his spin rate was way down. Velo was even down, but all the, all the, you know, indicators, right? He had every indicator that he was, you know, uh, cheating before or whatever. And he was struggling with it. He comes into, comes in, comes into the, the next start. He actually looked quite fine. I think he was up Oh two on like every hitter to, to start the game or whatever. And then he starts blowing chunks out on the mound mm. and, and gets pulled. It's like, well, you, you know, it didn't matter. You, maybe you were right. Maybe you were wrong. I have no idea, but it ended up not mattering. Or Dylan Bundy could have been struggling with it, and then he could change something in between that start, right? Maybe he starts – the pitchers have found something new to use, or he changed a grip, right? Tyler Glass now was talking – before he got injured, was talking about – because he had his like the best start of his year after he stopped using whatever he was using, and they interviewed him, and he talked about it. He's like, I had to change my grip. And he went out and he struck out like twelve guys, like like twelve guys. It was like the best start of his season. You know, it it ended up hurting his arm. But the point remains: like these guys are are. You don't think that they know? Like you don't think that Garrett Richards knows that he like has to make some sort of adjustment? So you're just never going to know. You could be right and end up wrong in the in, in the the game of DFS that we're playing. So you're just never going to know accurately enough, right? We've talked about it like with BVP. It's like it's real. We know the foreign substance thing is real, just like we know BVP is real. It's just how the hell are we ever going to be able to predict who it's affecting? Like it affected Glass now. He told us, and he still went out and had the best start of his the best start of his season. It could be affecting Degrom for all that we know, but he's just that good that that it doesn't matter. Or maybe the next start when he comes back, when when Degrom comes back, he gets blown up because maybe he did need whatever. I mean, we just we just don't be, know. So to your point, some pitchers that actually are better without it. They find the right. <laughs> some right. average pitchers are like, I've been trying to do this for three years, and now that I I can't do it this way, I found a new version of a pitch or something, and now now I'm much more now I'm more effective at generating ground balls or something, and now I'm throwing more. Carlos How are you ever going to know any of that? Maybe maybe this is finally what Carlos Martinez needed to to turn it around. That's why that's why he finally pitched well, or the Diamondbacks really sucked. But like, it, you're just not not gonna know and so like it's not even worth your time to to think about what is worth your time to think about like relating it back to what we were talking about is like what are our opponents doing with that information right are they just like fuck it garrett cole sucks now right i can't play garrett that's not what they're doing they've been playing garrett cole but if they were to say like all right i'm is, done is that's shane bieber gonna cole be rostered on his first start first start back without a pitch count because right. obviously his first start back he may yeah. be on a 70 pitch count and you wouldn't play him anyway. He'll, right. be, he'll be 10K and there's no reason to do that. But what I'm waiting for, I, this, is, this is what I, as a contrarian GPP player, as someone that doesn't buy into small sample sizes as much as the field does. They could exist. Yeah. They don't. I mean, that's, that's the point that we're making. You don't know what's real in a small sample size. It could be real. It makes sense that it could be real, but you won't know when it is until the sample size gets mm -hmm. bigger. So what, I, what I'm what i hoping for is that Bieber comes back, pitches 75 to 80 pitches on his first start, walks three guys, gives up four runs. Like, but not like, does, doesn't do horrible, but doesn't do good, right? Yeah. And then the next start, like, 
They say he's not on a pitch count. DraftKings lowers his price to 8,800, and he's 7% owned. <laughs> and then I hope I'm going right. to roster him, and I hope he goes seven innings and throws 12 strikeouts. Right? <laughs> right? Like, that. that's what I'm hoping for. I don't want the first – I don't want – he pitches 70 pitches, gets eight strikeouts in five innings efficiently, and it's like, okay, I guess Bieber wasn't a cheater. And then the next start, he's underpriced and everyone plays. Like, But th- these, these are the types of things you – in small sample sizes, like you have it, to get back to your best ball. The stuff that you've been saying about best ball relates to so many games, DFS wise, and and just games mm-hmm. in general. That the two the two main things that you're doing in DFS, the the biggest edges in DFS are uh, ex- is exploiting biases of other people. Exploiting the over, basically exploiting overconfidence, especially when the overconfidence has to do with small samples, yep. right? So that that's essentially that's essentially what there's really no biases in long term samples, right? There's no bias like a no, ten because year we sample, know what's true, right? But even depending on the pitch, like uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be a good quarterback this coming year. Like it, it, that's not controversial, but like. Like there's there's a difference between saying that and saying Andy Dalton's leading the Bears to the Super Bowl, like that that's <laughs> right. that's uh, but even Andy Dalton we have a long term sample side like Trey Lance, mm-hmm. who knows Trey Lance could be horrible, he could be great, yep. but all I care about is what does everyone else think, and it's mm-hmm. such a high variance situation I'm just gonna go with whatever the field isn't gonna do. We have these running back situations with teams. Where it's like, by the end of the year, one of these three running backs maybe it maybe the it, like everyone thinks it's going to be this guy, and it ends up being this other guy, right? Or it ends yep. up being a mess the entire season, and none of them are worth even taking at all. It becomes a just complete mess, uh, or the team just sucks, just like oh they were ten and six last year, and now they're three and three and thirteen or whatever. And it's like now it, it didn't matter what the running back because none of them it didn't matter they they were down all the time. Yep. Uh, that's but, the Raiders. That's that's my Raiders. That's my Raiders take. This that's your Josh Jacobs the, take. Anyone listening to the place? That's the Jacobs and Waller and all these guys. They're all they're all still expensive, and I think the Raiders are gonna, are going to suck. But to your point, the market isn't valuing the Raiders as if they suck, and I'm I'm looking at them like how the fuck are these guys going to win any going to win any games? And everybody's taking all their players, you know, relatively high. Right, but it's but it's but it's the same concept of what are people overconfident in? What are if they're people the the more and more if on the next slate Garrett Cole's ownership goes down to ten percent, you know who I'm playing a lot of Garrett Cole. I mean, yep. I, why wouldn't I? Like, oh, but the past two starts. Well, there you go. Your overconfidence in small sample sizes. Then we have Carlos Martinez, right? He was one. He was one and a half percent owned on DraftKings yesterday at like six k, right? And and he's been horrible this year. I mean, he's been so fucking bad. awful. Uh, but so he in, in those in he he's had like two starts that he was good at. But we also he's, have a large. So I, will, I, I uh, he 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 has that right, and it's the perfect example for the small sample thing because he will go those couple starts or several starts, like leading into last night, where like we know he's been, he's been terrible. Everyone can see that he's been terrible, but to like you're 
you're, he was facing the Diamondbacks, and like it, he's he's not he's not Matt Harvey. He's really he's he's really bad. But like Matt Harvey is physically incapable of a good outing. <laughs> Carlos Martinez, Carlos Martinez against the Diamondbacks, like it's in there. It's possible. It's in there somewhere. And so like it could be worth at that ownership at that price. It can be worth taking that that shot on Carlos Martinez. Now <laughs> the next start, it's like don't ever don't you're I. I enjoyed you for the those three hours. Like never, I never want to see your your name again. But it's that small sample thing. It's like, look, he's not physically incapable of having to start. He's just he's he's pretty bad, and like it's not going to happen very often. But if no one's going to do it against the worst offense in the league, like okay, maybe that's when I'm going to take my shot. Right, Vincent David Vinny Velasquez also yes, I played a whole ton of him. Right, I've been like. Only, I, I can't believe how low owned he was. I, I was I was befuddled at the DK ownership. FanDuel I understood. Like FanDuel I had a ton. He was five yeah. percent on on FanDuel, yeah. but he was sixty one hundred on FanDuel. And then like how you could pay up for everything. I mean like like you don't need to spend that little on pitcher on FanDuel with their pricing. But when you have to pay for two pitchers on DraftKings, he was seven percent owned against the Marlins. And I go, what, dude? Maybe I should have played on Fan. I should have played more DraftKings yesterday. But but these are pictures we're talking about. Carl, if 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 I were to say to you, this is a good way to put it. If I were to say to you, Eric, four years ago, Velasquez and Carlos Martinez are on the slate and they're both six K, you'd be like, why wouldn't they be chalk? Right? Because these are pictures that these aren't like yep. new pictures. They've been pitching for a multitude of years, right? Mm-hmm. Now, are they as good as they were four years ago? No. I give them that, but they still have enough of a body of work that they are an above average pitcher that at that price on DraftKings, they shouldn't be single digit owned. But what we do have, what we have is uh, guys like Alec Manoa and James Caprellian and Eli Morgan after his first start, like people like small sample size, screw it, got to roster them. It's like, I just go the other way. Just go, they're a rookie. Who the hell, who knows who these people, did, did, these are these are guys that two years from now, if you mention their name and you go, who are these people? Are they gro- bagging groceries? They could be. They, <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's how, we don't know how good they really are. Uh, so I'm just taking advantage of the, the confidence of the, the small sample size. Will you get burned? Sure. Is Kyle Schwarber going to hit a home run every, every first pitch of every game? No, <laughs> he's, not, he's not. But I'm I'm not I'm if at twenty percent ownership. I just I'll, I'll okay. And if he hits the home run, I close the laptop. That's fine, <laughs> right? But he shouldn't be. I mean, it just it shouldn't be. These 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 the you're exploiting the overconfidence in all of these games. We see in NBA in playoffs. I know I haven't been playing the NBA showdown, but I've been keeping track. Like NBA showed mm-hmm. a showdown in the playoffs. It's I don't know why I'm not playing it because it seems like it seems like okay whatever happens in game one, people just build lineups <laughs> as if game one is going to happen again. Like that it just it just I I I just don't understand. It's like oh this is what happened. Like it's whoever shot well, whoever got ten rebounds, whoever came in the rotation at that point, based on that like oh we're just going to play it that way, and then the second game then then what ends up happening. It's it's this it's this it's this it's this it's this delusion and psychosis. It's it it's, it almost seems like a mass delusion that that happens to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the whole field, like the mass delusion of 
and I, and I say it in NFL, right? I say that this is what I typically because it's a week to, it's a week to week thing, right? I I consider the the mass the mass delusion the 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 what we have the military industrial complex, NFL DFS <laughs> in general. It's the mass delusion complex. And I got to make sure to write that down for the title. The mass delusion <laughs> complex. It because in in NFL DFS, what ends up happening is that okay, so prices come out Sunday night, right? Monday, right? Something like that. You take a look, right? You look see, right? You go okay, this guy seems a little underpriced. That guy see okay, this guy maybe start putting together some type of dummy lineup. You go okay, you look at the totals of the games. And you go oh, okay, this could be good. Then on Tuesday, what people end up starting to do, they start looking at snap counts, right? You get the target shares of the last, of just the last game, right? The last game stuff, the snap, the formations. You look at PFF grades. You look at it. It's there's only been one game. This is week two. It's week two of the goddamn season, right? Everything in week one, they're just they're breaking it down. Twenty one carries. This guy got seven targets. This guy. They go through all of that. Then Wednesday, they listen to some shows. They listen to that. They read Evan Silva's matchups column, right? And that has a million things or whatever in it of what happened last week. Uh, and then Thursday, they, they okay. Now I'm putting together stacks and whatever. They're analyzing what the practice reports that Friday. Now we're thinking about that and ownership. We're going through that. They go through all of that stuff. And then on Sunday, the games, they, they go through all that whole fucking process. And then Sunday, half the stuff doesn't make any fucking sense, right? It's almost like <laughs> half the stuff that happens is just fucking random. Like how could have anyone predicted that? How could have any, like an injury happens? Who knows about that? The team that was a 17 point, 17 point dog is up by 30 points. For no apparent reason, I remember that Bills Vikings game from what two years ago or something, right? They were like the biggest, and oh, they're up, right? And that happens. We know that half the stuff you see makes no sense, right? You go, how did this team rush the ball for 238 yards against the as the worst rushing team against the best rushing defense? Best rushing defense on what? There's only been one goddamn week. What the fuck do we know? We don't know anything. Even after fucking 10 weeks, we don't know anything. And then what ends up happening is that the delusion, Eric, the complex that happened, the mass delusion complex, is not that. It's that on Monday, everyone starts doing the same goddamn thing again. Like, it's uh-huh. it, no one cuts to the realization that that most of this stuff is, is such a small sample size that any data you look at is going to be fucking flawed to some extent. So it's much better to look at what everyone else is doing and just uh, assume this, assume variance and just embrace the goddamn variance of small sample sizes and just, just exploit other people's overconfidence. And in baseball and in, in the NBA playoffs, it's this, it's everyone. Oh, what happened last game? This guy came, it's the same goddamn thing. And then everyone goes, I'm going to make lineups. I know people are going to meet uh, Lou Williams is going to be, oh, everyone's going to own Lou Williams the next game or whatever. Giannis is going to be out or something. Oh, it's Middleton and whatever. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen? We've had people in the NBA playoffs that don't play one game and then come out and play 32 minutes the next game and are in the rotation. And then you go, oh, and then... Cam Reddish just did that. Right, and then what's going to end up happening is that he's priced too low the next slate. People are going to go like, well, obviously, I'm going to have to play like Lock Reddish into all my lineups. And it's quite possible. 
It's there's an, it's a non-zero chance that he literally DNPs. A non-zero <laughs> yeah. chance. Yep. Now he probably doesn't if Trey Young's out, but there's a non but his his range of outcomes, he could literally he could he could go, he could play 32 minutes. He could also play six minutes. He could also not <laughs> play at all, right? He could also play 40 yep. minutes. But because of that one game. He may be like 72% owned on fucking on a, on a NBA showdown slate. Everyone's looking at the last game going, well, obviously he's coming out and playing 32 minutes, right? And then what ends up happening is that he plays eight minutes. Everyone on Twitter goes on tilt. And then whoever came in and played more minutes than now Bogdan, Bogdan, you know, he puts up some ceiling score and it's like, oh, I, right. Solomon Hill has a good game for no fucking reason, right? Like that type of thing. And then he's owned half fifty percent. Like, don't do that. Like, and then that, he sucks, and then hurt, and then hurt, and then hurt right. does it the next game. Yeah. Do you, do you think do you think this mass delusion complex happens? Because like you're you're the human side. I know I know. Me and you are sounding alike. Now you're you're becoming more like me. So I want to try yeah, to become a little tragic. bit more like you. Talking about it's the terrible, human, yeah. the human element. Is it that? the human brain is built to detect patterns like that's that. I mean, it's a, it's just part of our survival mm-hmm. instinct to detect yep. patterns that we, that in order to think of expected value, I mean, especially expected value to think uh, in terms of how to win in a, in a, in a, in an environment of high variance that the people that do the best are the ones that are able to, turn off their reptile brain and accept the fact that there may not be a pattern. Like they're there that things are maybe not random, but there's no data that you could look at that could make something predictable. Cause that's what people end up doing even after the fact, because what they'll do, they'll, they'll overfit. Oh yeah. Right. So yep. Monday yep. morning on an NFL slate, they'll go by, they'll go back and relook at, data and pick out the points and go, well, yeah, his, his blocking, this guard's blocking accuracy or something was much lower and I missed it. And that's why this guy was able to fit whole, like now you're, now you're trying to re overfit things that don't necessarily exist. Just, just yep. to perpetuate the religion in your head, the worldview that there is a pattern, there is a predictability to all of this. And why people get like fucking tilted from what me and you talk about. We can, we come from the perspective of like that nihilistic kind of right. That nothing matters, that atheistic type of worldview of like, maybe life doesn't matter. Maybe there may be, what's the meaning of the universe. What's the meaning of life. Maybe there is no meaning. Maybe there isn't any goddamn meaning at all. Right, we just hear and we die, and that's it. There's nothing. That's that, that's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all there is. So just just build build yourself based on not not on what some some fake person or something in the sky wants you to do. Maybe there is no God, right? Maybe just <laughs> maybe just do what you want to do, and that's it. Type of thing. So do do you think it's it's the, that human element that people or they, they intellect what ends up happening? I think a lot of people, especially that w- would listen to a podcast like this would intellectualize it. They go, I get exactly what you're saying. You know, it's it's two o'clock in the afternoon on an MLB slate, right? It's 11 o'clock in the morning for my pregame show. 
They'll get, oh, I, I, you're right. I shouldn't have played Schwarber at 30% owned, even though he did hit two home runs. I probably shouldn't have built that type of lineup that way, right? I probably should embrace the fact that who the fuck knows what's going to happen. So let's just play the low-owned stuff that still has good hitter. You know, like, they, they get all of that, mm-hmm. they get all of that, but, like, 6.30 comes around, it's like, I don't want to be the one that looks like an idiot when Shoei Otani hits two home runs and I don't have, like, like they, they, they end up, that pattern recognition part of the reptile brain goes off and goes, like, I want to be able to rationalize my choices, right? So yeah. when there is no pattern to recognize, then people look and go, how do I choose anyone in my lineup? And I go, well, you base it on a long-term sample size. You look at a projection model that takes away the bias and just shows you the the data that's predictable. And and yes, BVP does exist. We don't know when, right? Spin rate stuff with these pitchers and how they adjust do exist, but we don't know when. So to factor that in would be just adding a bias. So instead of even ha- if you can't if you can't quantify it accurately enough, just don't. Just leave it. Just leave yep. it the way it is, and let the field overreact. <clears throat> but what p- ends up happening is that those those reckon that comes back six forty five. You're like, you're like maybe 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 Garrett Richards' new pitch isn't good anymore. I mean, like like you're like everyone thinks he's that Carlos <laughs> oh, Martinez. Yeah. Like they they're just scared to go. Like Carlos Martinez projects well in this model. The Diamondbacks suck, <laughs> and he's one percent owned at six K. And I, and I need a cheap pitcher. And they're like, well, if Carlos Martinez comes out and walks six guys and gives up eight runs, like everyone saw that coming. Like every, like everyone <laughs> saw that coming. So they don't want to be mm-hmm. on, on the part of the side of everyone saw that coming, even though we're trying to portray the fact that seeing it coming may not even exist to that extent. Like according to his yep. long-term sample size, He's a better pitcher than a $6,000 pitcher against the Diamondbacks. And you just have to live with the fact that maybe the people that are overconfident, maybe they're right on that one start. That doesn't mean you made a bad choice. That just means that, okay, you played a 1% guy that got negative nine points and whatever. So do you think it's that, (laughs) do you think it's the human thing of like, I know that people intellectualize it. They like, I know, I know what I have to do. And they just say, they can't, they can't click the goddamn button. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's a combination of really both of those two things that that you said, and I think those are typically the different people. But sometimes it's the it's it's that that same person, kind of that last person that that gets it. I, I think more frequently, and this is actually something I I knew in DFS, but we're in a little bit of a bubble, and like the people that I talk to in general are closer to me and you's line of thinking. Like maybe not quite as quite as uh, as uh, fucked up as as the two of us are, but they're they're a lot they're like look i understand game theory i understand you know like i talked to squirrel right and right, i talked yeah. to tuttle and i talked to chop and these guys they know they know this stuff we might all have a different approach to it but they all know this right and even outside of our company the people that i talk to they're smart dfs players i don't have to explain this shit to them so we get into a little bit of a bubble where i think i kind of lose sight of that that human part of it but that human part of it to me, like as I've kind of really ventured into this this whole best ball space, is just like so, so blatantly obvious that they need not even just the pattern recognition. It is definitely that when you mentioned like the pattern recognition. But humans need something. J- just give me a data point. 
so that I can so that I can like feel good about that's why I need a reason. Right, you Give need me a reason, reason of why. Because every time I say, yeah, why did this happen, or why am I like selecting this guy? Why am I putting this guy into my lineup? Like, but I need to see something. It's not just <laughs> right. Uh, the field is doing this, so I'm going to do this because. Who knows what's going to happen, right? That's pretty much how I'm. That's how, how I'm I play. That's, that's you're describing how I play. My opponents are doing this, or uh, my opponents think this, right? My opponents think Garrett Cole is fucked because of the foreign substance, but they don't think uh, Garrett Richards is. So I'm going to go after Garrett Richards, right, or whatever. Like, there's a million. Every slate has a million of those things, and that's all I'm doing. But when you tell somebody you're doing it because <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Like, and there's no reason that we can even predict what's going to happen. They're like, well, you're just an idiot. Like, whatever. I'm going to go listen to somebody tell me that Kyle Schwarber's on a hot streak, right? Like, I, like go go sign up for this because someone can tell you that Kyle Schwarber hit 16 home runs this month and to play him. Like, congratulations. Eventually the hot streak like, comes to an that... end. So you're either telling me yeah. that Kyle Schwarber <laughs> is going to hit 150 home runs this season because the hot streak <laughs> never ends. Or at some point, there's going to be a day that it, let's say the, let's say the streak, does, I mean, but this is the point that I make, like hot streaks, do they exist? Well, it's just variants. So like technically don't exist, but let's say they yep. did exist. How would we ever be able to tell when it's over? So at yep. what point do yep. we stop? Exactly. And then, it, then you'll have, well, then you get the, the sampling bias people. Well, if Schwarber doesn't hit a home run today, then it's like, well, 16 of his last 19 games, he's hit a home run. <laughs> well, 16 of his last 20 games is like, at what point is 16 of his last 30 games not enough? I mean, like, that's the point that we're making. But it, but yeah. from the human perspective, like, it, I know, I know that it, it's a, it's a weird, like, way to slice it up with relating it to religion. But is it, is it, is it, this, is it the same type of brain processing that yep. gets like, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't like go around like spouting it off, but I mean, like I'm an atheist. Like I, I, I don't, I don't believe in, I, I believe it's, it's not, none of this shit matters. Right. I'm, I'm an, I'm a, yeah. I'm an ecstasy. I'm a more of a, like a kind of a nihilist, a moral, I think I, I, a moral nihil, nihilist type of mentality. Yeah. But because of that, I could look at stuff and go just, just most when in doubt, uh, shit is pro most probably random. That's most yep. li likely unpredictable to to most extents. Oh, some guy got hit by a car. Oh, well, that's uh, that. You just, people try to explain that, right? Right? Oh, why did why did uh, oh 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 I got oh uh, I got a promotion at work. It was because of act, like some unrelated thing. Because I did some nice deed for some old lady or something like I helped the old lady cross the street and now I won the lottery. Like like those things have nothing to do with one another. People want to make it out as if they do, but there is no correlation. So people are naturally gonna look for well, this happened because of this, and this happened because of that, and this and then think that because it happened once, it could happen again. Not realizing that. If it, if it was indeed mostly random, then using that data, mostly random data, to then predict the next thing, like how flawed is that? If it, if So either you have to accept that it's mostly random, that means everything that you do is going to be mostly random. I say mostly, not fully random. I mean, we could predict stuff, but I mean, I mean, we don't have projection models where the R is one. I mean, no, we'd, we'd, we'd be trillionaires. 
If we, I mean, if we could predict exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. But I think the main thing is getting away from that mass delusion, the, getting away from the complex. And being, once you view the field as the delusion people, I think that's when you get good at GPPs in DFS. You don't, you don't, Definitely. it's not only, it's not, it's not, it's not one step. It's not, okay, I don't want to succumb to the delusion. It's no, you also have to look at everyone else and go, what are their delusions? And some, and, and also accepting the fact that sometimes the delusions get there. Some, sometimes they, a lot of times they do. A lot of times, a lot of times the better percentage plays are the better percentage plays. They may be over-owned and they still fucking get there. And you don't yep. have to explain it away. The problem is, is that when you do lose, you're losing because it's random. You can't say that, well, I lost because I didn't play the best plays. It's like, well, once you, once you agree that there are no best plays, then I could, I, I feel good. I, if, if Otani and Schwarber hit a home run today or whatever the hell, any shock batter, <laughs> Austin Meadows at 40% owned, like I just closed the laptop. I think, and I think that most people are not willing to accept that, Correct. like, if I don't get the guy right and it's high owned, like I don't want to close the laptop at ten minutes into the slate. It's like we're me and you are completely willing to close the laptop three fucking minutes. Kyle Schwarber's first fucking pitch of the first game, and just going <laughs> looks like I'm watching Netflix tonight. <laughs> the same oh, with man. you in best ball. You're willing to ha- you're willing to burn tons of teams on. I'm gonna pre- I'm gonna build my team this way, and if this guy wins the starting f- uh, running back job, and this guy is whatever, and like you know your team is dead, and just like okay, just burn that team and go to the next one. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Eric Bynfor, Eric Bynfor on Twitter. Uh, you're still coming out with plenty of best ball stuff on on Roto Grinders, so check that out there on Blender HD, Blender Ed on Twitter. The theory of daily fantasy sports. The 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. We talk all about how to exploit variants. It's a very nihilistic course, right? How to do all that stuff. So take it. 15 hours at theoryofdfs.com.